Making It Plain, a podcast dedicated to discussing real issues that impact Black communities, Black families, and Black women. Your host, Dr. Key, is dedicated to discussing Black issues in a way everyone can relate. Welcome to Making It Plain podcast. I am your host, Dr. Key. In season two of Making It Plain, we have with us Dr. Lori Johnson, board-certified OBGYN and owner of Just For You Women's Healthcare in Atlanta. She is my guest today to discuss Black women and childbirth. Recent research has unveiled the increasing numbers of Black women that died during childbirth. One such article noted that Black women are safer under the care of Black doctors and die more frequently under the care of Caucasian doctors. So this discussion is very timely and very necessary. Welcome, Dr. Lori. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to get in this conversation with you and just talk, talk Black women health, you know? Yes. Yes, um, I we think it's so, it. yes. so, so important. And I think a lot of this, um, we don't discuss, like we don't discuss with one another, like what's going on with our bodies or even right. generational um, stuff. Like Correct. I had this, you may have that, <laughs> you know, like, you need to know what to look out for. So I wanted to get your perspective. You know, what experiences <laughs> are Black women having during childbirth? <sighs> Oh, girl. So that is such a loaded question. Um, Many are having just fine experiences, but there are so many things that go into creating that experience. We, We tend to focus on the birth itself, right? But that's the last thing in the journey of things, if you know what I'm saying. So like, for instance, um, you, you you have to make sure that you're healthy. Like childbirth is not a benign, it's not a, a risk-free undertaking and never has been. We've become romanticized that, oh, we're just going to get pregnant and have this baby, take these really pretty pictures and it's going to be beautiful and lovely and this and that. And, you know, and we don't understand that there are so many things that can happen in the course of the delivery and the immediate post-delivery period that can be, devastating to the mom and or to the baby. And so because we think it's also always be great, we tend to downplay a lot of what's happening during the course. So um, what, again, most women are having experiences, but we're seeing a lot of women coming into the pregnancy sicker coming into the pregnancy with uncontrolled hypertension. And I, I mean, I'm seeing young women like 25, 27, 28, you're already on medication when I see you at your very first visit and it's not controlled well because you're not taking your medicine normally. So now it's my job to get you and this baby to the quote unquote finish line you know, while managing all of your issues, while managing your blood pressure, while trying to get you under situated or trying to get you, you know, in good control and you anchor the baby to where we need to get you. So it, there's a lot of that coming in and we're seeing a lot more um, obesity in young women, you know, coming and I'm talking, you know, three, 400 pounds, like, you know, but now you're pregnant and now that's another issue. Diabetic, I'm um, coming into pregnancy, you're pre-diabetic. So there's a lot that goes into this starting the pregnancy. And so all those facts, factors kind of snowball into the, until we get to the actual delivery part. 
and then things can just go one way or another. Usually, most of the time it goes well, but then there are those times when it, it really doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do know what a high-risk pregnancy is. I mm-hmm. had two children by C-section and I had mm-hmm. hypertension. Mm-hmm. I took medicine all the time, but I, it was family generated. But hypertension Correct. causes all kinds of stuff. The swelling during pregnancy, just all kinds of stuff can happen. So Correct. I can see that. So what has contributed to the death of Black women during childbirth? Are there things outside of the pre-existing conditions that come mm-hmm. in? Well, the, the two main um, causes of, of death post-childbirth are hemorrhage or blood loss and hypertensive disorders. So whether you have hypertension in the beginning of the pregnancy, um, before you got pregnant, whether you developed it throughout the course of the pregnancy, something called uh, preeclampsia or back, back in the days to call it toxemia, you know, the, those things can be um, very fatal. And those are the two main um, reasons that women die in childbirth. And as far as the preeclampsia, you can even develop that after you have the baby. So there are times when you have the baby and it's good. And then a day, the next day, they're like, you know, the, her blood pressure is high. We can't get it down. We have to go a whole, a whole treatment panel to get you situated with that. So, you know, it can pop up even after the baby's out. And then um, as a result of that, you can get clotting disorders. So like blood clots in the legs, you know, they can go to the lungs. So those are the three main reasons. So hemorrhage, bleeding, um, the hypertension issues like preeclampsia, eclampsia, and then clotting disorders are the main cause that women are dying right after delivery. Um, and so those are the three things that that's when, when, um, and I may be jumping, I'm sorry. No. That's where like having your doctor and making sure your doctor knows who you are becomes very, very imperative in your management and your care. I can remember, uh, with my daughter, I had preeclampsia towards mm-hmm. the end mm-hmm. and my, uh, childbirth that, that day I went in cause I was swelling and all this stuff and wasn't feeling good. But it became an emergency situation of mm. the baby heart rate dropping and me. So it was kind of like, we need to save the baby. So these things you're talking about actually impact both mom and baby, not correct. just one or the other. Correct, correct. And 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 those kind of things, like the preeclampsia, for instance, it kind of can progress into some very serious conditions. It can, can progress from, you know, just high blood pressure and swelling to now, now you're having seizures and that's eclampsia. And then it goes from seizures to something called HELP syndrome, where your platelets start to drop and then you bleed. So it, just, it, it can go, and it can go quickly. So if, if you don't present soon or the doctor that doesn't know you well or is not attentive to really what's going on, these things can escalate quickly. There's typically not a, oh, two, three weeks later. I mean, it could go from good to bad in a matter of hours sometimes. And you're like, wait, you know, three hours ago, her, her platelet count was 180. Now it's dropped down to 50. We got to move now. So it's the urgency as well that comes into it. Wow. So I know I'm reading like some, the media kind of just, you know, gives it to you, right? And they mm-hmm. kind of glamorize things in a certain way, but it provokes a lot of fear in women. Should mm-hmm. Black women be afraid to give birth? No. 
They should not be afraid to give birth. But here's what I tell my my black my sisters. Listen, and this this, this is gonna bless you. Really, it is. <laughs> um, I need us to start thinking about our gynecologists and our obstetricians and picking our doctors like we would pick our hairdressers, like our hairstylists. Mm-hmm. We we as a society, as a culture, are very into our look, our appearance. We'll go anywhere, pay anything, buy the bundles, follow that stylist wherever they go. We get a good stylist, they can move, we'll be flying and moving and doing everything because we are committed to looking that way and having our hair a certain way. We tend to not be as committed to our health in the same way when it comes to finding a position that you trust, that you're comfortable with, that you can talk to, that you feel can relate to you. And, and oh, well, you're too far. And like, I, I'm, I'm a little south of Atlanta. A lot of people who are in Atlanta go, oh, you're far. I would come to you, but you're far. And I'm like, well, if I was doing your hair, you probably would come to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would come and you would mm-hmm. you would get it done. And and and, and I will I will say the trend is changing. I have seen you know people who are willing to travel further or whatever because they want a particular kind of care. But um we tend to not want to do that as much. And so um when we get to that 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 again, that culmination at the actual birth, right? Um we're 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 looking, we have to have someone there that we know is advocating for us and with us. And that should be your OBGYN. That should be the person that you've been seeing for all these months. Um, And so when you have that in place, your outcomes tend to be a lot better. But there is such a limited um, number of Black women that's in OBGYN. And one of the things that that I have found a challenge is that I find one, we good, we on the right, we on the right Mm -hmm. track. And then they send me a letter like, she gone. (laughs) Where'd she go? They're like, oh, she's not even near. So she gone, gone. Yeah, yeah. So it's so hard. And you develop. And I mean, I'm not saying that a a, a white woman couldn't care for us in the same manner. But I know for me, developing that relationship has been so much better with Mm A black OBGYN. Yeah, and you know, I'm in Atlanta, so you know, this, this is black world. And, this- and that's probably where she at now. <laughs> <laughs> she at? <laughs> probably. So we're everywhere here, and I, I lied, but I did practice in Pennsylvania before, and I did, I, I mean, I was it. I was like the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in Virginia. Um, that's that's yeah. what I'm seeing there. That Virginia is the same kind of way. So tell me, what things should Black women be considering during childbirth? What what things should they be really thinking about? Um, they should be making sure that they. Uh, so if you're a couple of things happen. So sometimes these groups are big. There's like a lot of doctors in the group. You see all the doctors and whatever. Sometimes you have to. Um, you should be making sure that you know that every doctor, if, if that's your situation, every doctor knows you. You should be making sure that when you go and into your appointments, they're not like, uh, who are you in? You know, kind of a thing like that. Making sure they know you. Make sure that, you know, you know who to get in touch with when something is going on. When you think you're going into labor, what number do you call? Make sure that number's in the in the, your phone. Make sure you have the uh, appropriate hospital. You know, you make sure you, you're thinking about things like that. Sometimes I'll see patients where um, they'll live like 
in one city and then the hospital's like, you know, 35 minutes away or 45 minutes away. And it's like, well, have you thought about if something happens, how are you going to get from where you are to the hospital? You know, thinking about all those types of things, because if something happens at three in the morning, you call the ambulance, they're going to take you to the closest hospital, not to the hospital of your choice per se. Um, and so that hospital where you show up at, then they, didn't, they would, may not know anything about you. They won't know anything about you. And if you are high risk and have other things going on, that's a problem. So we have to really begin to think logically about like, where am I located? What hospital am I going to? What hospital is my doctor going to? And, and my, make sure I have my doctor. You know, we can't just go to any hospital and think we're going to get care because we're there, you want to make sure that that doctor that you know, that knows you is in that, in that you're in the right place for that. Um, thinking about, of course, optimize, ask your questions, write your questions down at your visit, talk to your doctor. What about this? What about that? What's your C-section rate? What's your, you know, episiotomy rate? You do a lot of episiotomies, you know, what do you do? What would be the reasons I would need a C-section? What would be the reasons I would need this? You know, you have to be be comfortable having the conversation with the doctor. Um, And then if they don't give you the answers you think you want, you may want to consider, you know, switching care or finding somewhere else to go or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what are the specific characteristics a doctor should have, especially for Black women now when we know that all of these things are are going on? What characteristics should that doctor have? Like me. (laughs) Right, right. Just talk to Um, your regular. (laughs) Right, right. Well, you know, and I'm I'm, going to say this as well. You know, it's it's not all just hype. There have been um, some practices, um, some physicians who historically would have just done what they wanted to do. You know, um, you know, here in Atlanta, when you leave the metro, it is very, you know, rural and and there's, uh, it's just Georgia, you know? And so um, I have people come to me and say, oh, I had an emergency C-section. And I'm like, okay, well, what was going on? Well, they induced me and I only got to three centimeters. And I said, well, how long were you being induced? Oh, 12 hours. That's not an induction. An induction can take two days sometimes. I know. You know, right. For 10, 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly my point. So if your doctor tells you that because you're not raising the liver in 12 hours, it's time for a C-section, he wanted to go home. He wanted to um, go have dinner with his family or go play golf or whatever you want to do. He was not trying to give you a full chance to labor fully. Um, but if you don't know any better, you don't question that. So those are the kind of things you want to, you know, how many C-sections do you guys do here? And, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the neonatology good here? Just different um, things, characters where they'll, they'll listen to you. You always want to be listening. I know we're all busy and we're harried and we're rushed, but your doctor needs to listen to you and hear you. And um, not in just that you complain every week. We we know you're pregnant and you're a little uncomfortable and we can't give you get out a get out early pass. It's 40 weeks is what it is. But <laughs> Are they hearing you when you have complaints? Do they address your complaints? Um, legit ones. You know, are they man- keeping up with your medications? And are they telling you the truth so that um, you would just know how to be- better manage your own pregnancy? This episode is sponsored by Belinda B, the original boss bag designed for women on the go. Visit bbbossbags.com.
Now, I read an article that talked about, of course, that's what I do, read these articles, <laughs> but that talked about um, pain management and how mm-hmm. um, basically, period, you know, Caucasian doctors don't accept, you know, assess our pain accurately, that Black people are given lower dosages of a pain medication, their pain is not properly managed because mm. it's almost like um, unconscious bias. Like they believe that we can handle the pain or that we're not in pain and that we're saying we're in pain, but we're really not in pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what should they be thinking about when talking to their doctor about pain management? Because I think that's an important aspect of childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, talk to your doctor about what you know, what, how you want to manage your childbirth. Do you want to try to go all natural? You know, do you want to do something just through your IV? Do you want to just, um, do you want to get the epidural? Like what, what is that you, do you want to have as far as pain management? Um, we as a people tend to be more expressive, I'm going to say, than Caucasian and other races. So I think sometimes in the expressiveness of who we are, um, Caucasian doctors interpret that as we're just being extra or dramatic. And sometimes it's hard to decide, are we legitimately, is is the pain reflective of our expression or are we just being our expressive selves? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know. But, But that's the benefit of having a doctor who understands Correct. Our expressive nature. Correct. Right? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's really interesting, especially when you start thinking about dying in birth, right? I didn't even yeah. think of that um, when having my kids. I didn't think of... Was that was a possibility. That, that wasn't, no, that was not yeah. even a thought. The pain was a thought. Pain <laughs> you know? <thought>. Yeah. <laughs> but not that. So um, I noticed that... Black women are doing more, going back to doing more of hiring, um, du- is it doulas? Doulas, the midwives and things. Mm. Midwives and things. And what are the benefits or challenges to, to doing that? Um, well, it's in regards to like a home birth. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, first of all, if you're at home, there is no pain medicine. <laughs> There's, right. There is no pain medicine at all. Right. Mm-hmm. You are committing to be 100% natural. And I won't, I won't say that all home births are bad. I will say that you, there's a particular population of individuals who can do a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's not for everybody. If you have even one, I think I'm high risk situation, home birth is not for you. Because you have some, like as, as I said before, with some of these obstetric emergencies, they can go from good to bad just like that. Mm-hmm. And if you're home and something happens, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to make it to the to the hospital. If you're home and something, or you start bleeding profusely or something, you're not going to make it to the hospital to get any help. So um, very specific people have to do it. And then you have to, if you, if, if, even if you are a good candidate, you should make sure that your midwife has a relationship with the physician so that if it goes where you can't take the pain at home and now you want to go to the hospital and get your epidural, they're not dropping you off on the doorstep of a hospital, seven centimeters dilated with some strangers. Mm -hmm. And here we go. 
you know, and, and I, I've, I've done that. I have some midwives in my area who do home births and they will have a time and time I'll have a consultation with a patient and I'll see them in the office and I'll talk to them about their plans or we'll do blood work, make sure everything's in order so that if they decide they can't complete the home birth, they can come in and I can continue their care. Mm-hmm. So it's not a whole big, you know, who are you, where are you coming from? You know, that kind of a thing. So, but what's the difference between the, the doula and the midwife? Well, the doula, the doula has no mid- medical training. So a doula shouldn't be doing deliveries. A doula is a, a support person. Um, and probably prior to COVID could have come into the hospital with the patient. People would bring a doula into the hospital as well. They're a coach, they're a labor coach. They're going to help them, you know, with the breathing techniques and, um, the, the, um, squatting or whatever they're going to do in the delivery process. Um, midwives uh, who are certified are actually can do deliveries both at home and in the hospital. So a doula shouldn't be really doing births right. um, at home or anywhere by themselves. So they don't have any medical training. Right. I, I think I like one of the things that you say, you said it's a certain population of people who should be thinking, who who would be good candidates And I feel like, you know, with social media and everything, they're popularizing certain things and people Mm -hmm. are kind of like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but they don't know the, those, the characteristics of a candidate that would be perfect for a homework or would be good for a homework. I would not have been. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. With a history of high blood pressure for my family coming in young with high blood pressure, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that was the thing. I had a high risk thing. So what other, what, what, so really they need to have a perfect bill of health is what we're saying. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty okay. much perfect bill of health. Um, and, and need to be seen probably by, by a, by a gynecologist or OB at some point to certify. Yes. Like, you know, and I'm talking like, I don't want you to be anemic. I don't want your blood to be eight you're hip to be eight when you're starting off a pregnancy or nine. And, you know, you tell me you're chewing ice. Don't have, don't have a home birth because you're going to lose blood, you know? And so if you're starting off at, at seven or eight, we're going to have a problem. Um, don't be, uh, uh, having like, even like lupus and all those kind of autoimmune disorders. You shouldn't have a home birth. Um, if you're very, very heavy, you shouldn't have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost, you can do it with your first baby, um, but I almost would say if it's your very first baby, don't. If you if you had a, a baby in the past and everything went really well and you were great, you pushed well, then second baby, I would say try it at home if you really want to. Um, but with the first baby, you just don't know if that pelvis is even going to work. You don't because sometimes it's not based on a woman's outer body size; it's her inner body size. Can you push that baby out? Mm-hmm. You know, will your pelvis accommodate this child? Will you know what what will you do to accommodate it? You don't never you don't ever know with the first baby until you get into that position. You're trying to push this baby out, so and you're doing it again unmedicated. So, um, I, you I would say second baby, <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you know again, be very very sure that you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing through this pregnancy for that first baby. Now, I had to change subjects, but I need to change subjects. I need to okay. jump over and really talk about um, fibroids because mm-hmm. I was on your Instagram and you had did this surgery of someone right. who traveled, traveled yes. to have this, this surgery yeah. done. And I know a lot of my listeners, friends, um, 
it's hereditary. I mean, many suffer from fibroids, really mm-hmm. bad um, fibroids, and they're not sure, you know, how they come about, mm-hmm. how did they get them, why are they growing, mm-hmm. how they're impacting their ability to have children, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, you know, the, they finally doing some deeper research and they've really found that a lot of fibroid sufferers, and I forget the percentage, have a history of trauma and abuse, which is a whole deep, a whole nother level to dig into as far as women and Black women being um, trauma and abuse sufferers as children and developing fibroids later in life. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're seeing them again in younger women's like l- large fibroids, multiple fibroids in younger women. We do know that fibroids are um, fed; by, they can be hereditary, but they're also fed by estradiol and estrogen. So um, our bodies normally make estradiol, and that's fine. But then we have to go a step further and say, well, what's what's changed? Is it the foods we consume? Is it the meats we consume? Is it because they feed our chickens and our um, cows with hormones to make them grow and make them produce more, to make them make, make them more fertile. So that's all estrogen of types. So as we're ingesting it, it's getting into our bodies. It's feeding our uterus, feeding our fibroids, making them grow, get larger. It's in the milk. It's it's so many places, um, and we are seeing you know just that's the most common cause of hysterectomy in the country is fibroids, the most common cause. Um, and they, I've seen fibroids as large as seven pounds on mm-hmm. one fibroid to a small, I mean, they range in size. Um, so they are a huge issue. And again, we as Black women tend to let it go. You know, like you should not be wearing a depends every time you have your period. No, that's too heavy. Right. You know, if oh, I'm always anemic and then no, it's too heavy. Make sure that if, if you're having these issues, talk, get a doctor that's going to listen to you. Um, and, and this is no, um, and go, go to your family, go to a, a gynecologist that's going to examine you. Like I've, I've palpated a woman's abdomen and I'm like, what is this? This is fibroids. And they're like, huh? No one ever told me. I'm like, you don't feel this mass in your belly? Like pay attention to what's going on in your body. So um, they have become quite a problem Um, and they can affect fertility. They can affect um, whether the baby has room to implant. I've uh, delivered babies um, who weren't able to grow properly because the placenta had implanted over a fibroid. So the blood supply to placenta was compromised. Um, and again, usually they're going to have heavy, heavy bleeding, lots of pain, um, sometimes constipation, frequent urination. Um, and sometimes you can actually feel them through the abdominal wall. So I'll tell you, I read this article about the chickens and mm-hmm. steroids years ago, and I stopped eating meat, like uh-huh. raw meat, um, because they, I had a small fibroid. It was small, but I knew that my mother, my aunt, my cousin, everyone had had hysterectomy. So I stopped eating meat. Mm-hmm. When I went back to the doctor, they couldn't find that fibroid anymore. Right. No, I was told right. I had fibroids. And so I know with my case, that was true. They, they cannot find a fibroid. And I mm-hmm. stopped putting this the steroids in my body. In your body. And I think we really, when I tell women that, I've told friends that like, stop eating chicken for a while. Stop eating this for a while. You know, 
mm-hmm. that have really bad ones, mm-hmm. um, we're not really paying attention to that. And I know a lot of women are scared to go to the doctor. That's yes. a thing. Yeah. They, they are afraid to go to the doctor. And it, and, and it is scary because we have cancer, we have all these other things out there. Mm-hmm. And they feel like when they go to the doctor, they get some kind of news where they need surgery or they need something like that. But mm-hmm. we got to get past that fear and start talking about these things. And I'm so glad that you actually posted <laughs> pictures, you know, yeah. not that we want to see the picture, but, but we <laughs> need to see what this looks like inside of our right. body. Right? Right, right. And we need right. to talk about how to deal, how to deal with it. Right. It is abnormal to have to wear a pen. For a month, it is. It is. People mm-hmm. are coming to me, and I, they go, "Oh, you're kind of heavy." And I go, "Well, how heavy is heavy?" And they go, "Well, you know, I wear." And I'll say, "You wear the blue ones, the purple ones, the orange which ones you wear." And they're like, "Oh, the blue." But I wear the pants. I'm like, "No, that's not normal to mm-hmm. wear the pants when you have your menstrual cycle. That's too much blood." And they're like, "And they're like, really?" I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there is a lot of fear, a lot of fear, and then and then there's mistrust. You know, we don't trust anybody medical and in days of COVID and vaccines and they we don't trust anybody. Um so it's true. We don't we don't trust. I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna be okay until, you know, whatever. But I, I've I've had women come to me over the years where sometimes their um family would just be like, she needs to get surgery. It has to come out. You know, she's looking, you know, six or seven months pregnant and not pregnant at all. It's just fibroids. Um so you can get them out and again, save your uterus. Um, I posted that picture last week because um, the young lady who came to see me, she's um, in her forties or whatever. And she was just being offered hysterectomy. And she's like, well, can I do something else? I said, well, we can just take them out and leave your uterus there. And I didn't think I was going to get the response I got. I was just really kind of posting it because I just felt like this is cool. Um, and I've done them, you know, over the years. And people were like, oh my goodness, they were so, so amazed at it. So I was so glad it could help people to see that there's other alternatives to having hysterectomies. Um, so I know a lot of people get told that, like, oh, that's it, take it out, it has to be done. And that's not the case. It takes a little longer to do a myomectomy where you kind of go in and pull them out individually. But I mean, you know, I'm in there. I might as well just take my time and do what I need to do. Right. And, and they need to come talk to a doctor that'll tell them that this is an option. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's, it's good for women who probably still want to have children. Correct. Oh, yeah. And sure, they've sure. been told that they can't. They need mm-hmm. a good doctor that can say, look, let's try this. Yeah. Uh, because I think that it's possible. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm glad that you did post that 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 <laughs> picture for, for other women to really see, you know, what you can do. But also, what can be done if they actually went to the doctor? Right. We do not talk about fibroids. Like mm-hmm. that is just something we do not talk about. We don't talk about the downside to it, like the pain, the, mm-hmm. the really heavy cycles. We just kind of suffer in silence. And, right. Or, or right. I know someone who told me that they just stay home. Right. Yeah. Like you yo yo you off work everything your whole everything is shut down. Yeah. If it's that <laughs> weekend, you're like, okay, I'm not going. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's an issue. That's that's not mm-hmm. satisfaction. That's not life satisfaction. So to speak. that's not that is. It's impacting your quality of life. And I'll, I'll ask women. You know, they're like, oh, it's fine. They t- try to downplay it. And I will say, well, do you go out when you're period? Do you stay home? And they're like, well, I kind of just. I'm like, mm-hmm, you, you're staying home because you don't want to bleed through. And yeah. I get it, but we got to fix it, and it's fixable. 
We right. can get you in a better space. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, well, you know, your body, your belly is going to go down for like at least at least a whole dress size. Your waist going to get smaller. So that's a benefit to that as well. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm so glad we had this this discussion to talk about, you know, choosing a doctor and home births versus um, having a birth with, with three OBGYN at a hospital and all the different issues that impact Black women. Um, so I want to thank you for your time, but I want to know how can like people who listen to this keep in touch with you? They can um, follow me on social media. I am on um, Instagram and Twitter, Dr. Lori J, and it's C-R-L-O-R-I-E-J. Um, and I'm also on YouTube under the same name. Um, I have a few videos out there talking about stuff I randomly decided to talk about. <laughs> and um, they can follow my website. It's just for you, Women's Healthcare, or just for you, OBGYN, www.justforyouobgyn.com. And I'm located in um, a city called Locust Grove, Georgia, which is about 20 minutes south of Atlanta. Thank you. Thank you. So this is Making It Plain. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Dr. Johnson, for joining us and sharing your brilliance. Please follow us on Instagram at Making It Plain with Dr. Key or visit our website, thedrkey.com. Thank you for listening to Making It Plain with your host, Dr. Key. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Sparkman Key Consulting, LLC. Check us out at www.thedrkey.com. 